It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Auburn's offense did exactly what it needed to do against Sanford. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's the morning after edition, meaning we are joined by Montgomery radio legend, Daryl Daprich. And Daryl, the Auburn Tigers take down the Samford Bulldogs to improve to 3-0 and on the season. And look, Hugh Freeze talked about it after the game. It's what we said all last week, but they almost forcefully threw the football all over the place. And Peyton Thorne, with the exception of really one throw, I thought looked pretty good. He looked great. Uh, that was one of the better. I don't care against what level of football you're competing against. That was one of the better quarterback performances I've seen in a while. Um, you mentioned the one throw. That was the forced throw into the end zone into double coverage when he had a wide open Jair shorter Jair on shorter. that drag yeah. route. Yeah, across the underneath. And Hugh Freeze mentioned that in his in his uh, press conference afterwards. But yes, he looked. Really, really sharp. And again, here's an aspect that he really elevated his game. The RPO in running the football. Quarterback draws, touchdowns, that kind of thing. Nobody had that on their bingo card that he was going to look that good with his legs. And look, here's the deal. There has been one quarterback in the last 10 years other than Peyton Thorne that has thrown for 200 and run for over 100 in a, in a football game, and that was Nick Marshall in 2013. Had Peyton Thorne had the opportunity to come out there on that second-to-last drive that Auburn had the football and thrown for 18 yards, can you believe, Zach, he would have been the only quarterback in Auburn history to throw for 300 and run for 100? That's how close to a really historically special night he came. Um, And Hugh Freeze mentioned in the press conference afterwards he wished he would have known that because he might have run him back out there. Yeah, and uh, it, it, the way it looked, I almost don't care about the stats against Samford, right? I don't really care about the score. I care about what it looked like. And it looked like a, a crisp offense that was able to move the football after the first series or so. It took them a second to get going, but once they got going, it looked really, really good, looked really, really impressive. And the fact that they really kind of struggled to get on the scoreboard for a second and still was able to score 45 points I think it's pretty telling, Daryl, with how efficient the offense was once it started to get going. Because what's the one thing we've been saying this offense needs? Continuity. And it finally got continuity. It took a few series. But once the same quarterback was in for a few series, you saw a totally different Peyton Thorne Saturday night, which is a really, really good feeling if you're an Auburn fan. Our show that we recorded Friday, we talked about what we wanted to see. And we wanted to see, or I said, and I think you agreed, Auburn throw it like 40 to 45 times. They threw it 43 times last night. So, I mean, you, you think about that, that, and it was, you, you mentioned it coming on, coming on the show when you're, you're open, it, it was forced at times. I mean, make no mistake about it. There were times that the running plays were there and they left running yards from scrimmage on the ground. You know, they sure. left it on the table. 
But that was okay because by design, they even if it meant forcing some throws and 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 you know basically trying to throw it more than they probably would have in certain situations, they wanted to do that and they did that again. Forty three times the run pass, forty three to twenty seven. 43 throws to 27 rushes. They completely flipped the script on run to pass ratio. We wanted to see that. Yeah, we did. That's what and that's what we got and the, you know 75% through the air for Peyton Thorne. You talk about that's pretty efficient to, to have a completion percentage of 75%. Yeah, 340 passing yards, 222 rushing yards on the night for the Auburn Tiger offense and they did it in different ways. I mean, you kind of talked about the RPO from the passing standpoint. There were several times where Peyton was holding the ball in the belly of the running back. He looked up and he saw Jay Fair four or five yards downfield. And he kind of took the ball and made sure it got to Jay Fair. Same with Rivaldo Fairweather. Um, it seemed like they were kind of forcing it to him at times too, which is exactly what we called for. It's exactly what we said that they should do throughout the week. And, it seems like Q Freeze and this coaching staff were, uh, were on the same page of us uh, here at Locked on Auburn. Yeah, you know, you and I talked before we hit record. There's one area that we will disagree, and that's fine. It's open for discussion. I agree sure. with getting down to the one-yard line on that first drive and trying to throw a fade on first and goal from the one. Try that. Work on that. You know, hone that part of your offense. I just when, – <laughs> when the points are there, I thought they got a little too cute – trying it again on second and one. And I think that's where you just take the points and run it in and go back to that play on the second possession or the third possession. But don't, they you, didn't. Think, don't you think they knew that the other 45 points were going to be coming, Daryl? Don't you think they knew that this game wasn't ever going to be close? They probably felt that way, uh, and I agree with that. But unfortunately, fo college football strange. I'm old school. I, I, you know, again, don't get too cute. Take the points when you can get them. Take the easy touchdown, walk-in touchdown when you can have it on second down. Now, let's be honest. On third and one, they probably would have run the football, but got called for a false start, so they had to throw it on third and six. And that's when you sure. free said the ball hit off Hook's shoulder pad and got intercepted. He felt like he he was a pretty good throw. So yeah, again, in hindsight, looking back at that, you go crazy when you're watching that from the press box. But you're right. They probably saw how this game was going to get mapped out and was not concerned. Uh, you said to me, well, punching it in from the one for, against Samford, running the ball doesn't help. It doesn't show, show me anything later on in the game. And I agree it doesn't. I just think maybe at second down you do that because otherwise it looks like you get too cute. You overcoach there. But again, they're the coaching but, but, staff. But they know more like, than me. Who, who cares about how much you beat Sanford by? If you don't use this game to get better for the, the season that actually matters, you know, starting next week when you go to College Station, open up conference play, who cares? And I just think those other reps that Auburn was able to run in that situation, whether it's the fade to, was it the hooks? Yes, it was a fade throw to hooks. And then... The, the pass that ended up being a, a pick because that was the hooks too, wasn't it? That, that was to, uh, you're talking about the one that was to Coy Moore, the double coverage in the end zone. That ended up being a pick that was batted yes. up for a pick. Got it. So no, 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 no. The one that was batted up for yeah, a pick about, was to hooks. Yeah, we're talking hooks. about the first, yeah. uh, that first yeah, drop. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So they threw the hooks twice. And, and I just think that, um, I think that experience is worth way more than one yard that would have been a touchdown against Sanford. I, I just true. Do. I just believe okay, but that. He, 
And here's my counter to that, is that Auburn should have been up 24 nothing at the end of the first half instead of 17. You may say, who, who cares? cares? Okay, who cares? Holden Gurner cares. Because Auburn didn't get a big enough lead to start playing people that they should have played against an FCS. You're playing an FCS school, and this is going to sound nitpicky, but you're playing an FCS school and you're up 17 nothing in the first half instead of 24 nothing. which in the fourth quarter, Holden Gurner didn't get a snap. Robbie Ashford did. Maybe if you're up... 45-13 in the fourth quarter before that last touchdown, Gurner gets a possession. He gets a series. And I think that's what you want to do. You want to play more people. He didn't get a touch. One extra touchdown maybe gets him an extra touch. Yeah, I would just argue, again, that an extra drive or two with Peyton Thorne is way more important than giving Robbie uh, uh, Holden Gurner um, a series or two at the end of the game. As far as this season, if you want to argue as far as program building or things like that, yeah. I'll give it to you. But as far as preparing for Texas A&M, which has been kind of the core part of our argument throughout the entire week of why we thought Auburn should do this against Sanford, extra drives with Peyton Thorne and then Robbie Ashford getting a, a mix in the second half of red zone packages as well as being able to run the offense. And, man, a great pass to uh, to Micah Riley. Holy cow. And, yeah, and, I, yeah, and that, was, that was Micah's first uh, first touchdown as well. I just think that helps the team get better more than you know the third string quarterback getting a series. I I agree, except that I think that he, that's why the, one extra fade ball there. How does that help? I mean, they threw it on first and goal from the one. So when it didn't work, maybe you run it and go back to that later when you're you know inside the ten, which there was numerous times. If you think you're going to have many shots and you think you're going to put forty five up on Samford. I agree. Then you should know that you're going to have opportunities to go back to that later. Again, I just I like taking the point. It you would have had to have I guess been there to watch the frustration of that with a beautiful drive to end in an interception was deflating. Now they bounce back from that and they should against an FCS school. Sure. I don't know. It's just dangerous to me to to do that. I hope that doesn't. I would hope that that situation does not come up again against an SEC opponent. You take the points and and probably that's what they'll do. Yeah, yeah. I think if they're in that situation next year or next week, rather, I think they'll run it. I think this was just uh, let's get reps uh, against somebody that's not wearing the same color jerseys as us. The defense looked great on Saturday. We'll talk about what stood out and how it translates to the rest of the season in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. Daryl, you use LinkedIn Jobs to hire yes. for your company because it gives you all sorts of flexibility and it's super easy and it's very cost effective when you use LinkedIn jobs. Well, you have a, a tremendous opportunity to sift through candidates too. That's what I love about using LinkedIn. You Not only are you able to post jobs specifically for what you need, you hope that, and, and what, how it works out is those candidates specifically apply for those jobs. So I'm able to kind of sift through that and then at that process start calling people, interviewing people. I have a pool of candidates now that I can choose from by using LinkedIn, and that's a tremendous time saver for me. Yeah, and it could be a tremendous time saver for you as well. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college Terms and conditions. Apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate. 
save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Zach Blackerby, he's Daryl Daprich. This is the morning after edition of Locked on Auburn. And the defense looks great. Sanford scored just 13 points. And really, it probably should have just been one, but they had a nice touchdown towards the end there that was kind of just a busted a busted play. But yeah. all in all, and, and then also the the muffed punt did not help the Auburn defense at all. But you, you just look at these defensive backs, Daryl, and you see DJ James making plays in the backfield. You see Jalen Simpson and J.D. Rim. J.D. Rim's a guy we haven't talked about a whole lot in the last few weeks. Props to him. He ran the route better than the receiver. Got his head around sure and everything. Did. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful play. And it's just, it speaks to the depth of this defensive back room. I tweeted about Zion Puckett. It seemed like, especially in the first half, every time something happened, Zion Puckett was right next to the football. Like, he was all over the place. I love this defensive back room. And it's just nice that they're living up to the hype. The depth is very important because, let's be honest, for a majority of this football game, you didn't have Pritchett from the beginning. You didn't have Kaufman from the beginning, and those are two key guys, I feel like, in the defensive backfield. And then Keontae Scott goes down with an ankle injury and I think emerged from the locker room and from the tunnel with a boot. So you got to – I mean, I don't know what their status is against AM. and you, you hope that Kaufman might have been able to play and they held him out for precautionary reasons because it was a head injury. But they're going to need a lot of guys in the defensive backfield against Wegman and and how you know Texas A&M throws it all over the place. So yes, yeah. credit to depth. JD Rim made a great play. Jalen Simpson continues. He jumped the route on that Zach. It was a beautiful read. Not only did he jump the route, he was able to jump the route without going through the receiver. And that's an art form to do that. Because a lot of times you see guys trying to jump the route and they go up the receiver's back and get called for defensive pass interference. He positioned his body to do it in a way that he didn't even touch the receiver and still picked it off. DJ James, stud. You mentioned Puckett. I mean, they're just really playing, you yeah. know, Kay and Lee, the freshman. So, yes, you need that that depth because obviously with these injuries, it's turned out to be what a what a great room that Auburn has in the defensive backfield. Yeah, I didn't really notice the linebackers as much as I have the previous two weeks. That doesn't mean it's a bad thing, but you know, I, you saw Asante running around there. You saw Larry Nixon running around, but like they, they didn't really take have moments where they were taking over the game like Eugene did against Cal. But still, uh, I think a solid performance on their part. And then the def- I think the defensive line had a few moments. Marcus Harris had a few really solid plays. He's probably the guy up front I noticed the most. Daryl, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just think the front seven played their part as well. Yeah, they had one sack. Uh, that's what statistics it, it, it shows here that they had one sack, which was a little bit surprising. I thought they would get more because of how Western Carolina the week before absolutely abused. Did they? Okay, so there must have been one like late when we were in the presser, getting ready for the presser. Because when I walked down at that point, uh, they only had one. So you, I yeah. think Cam Riley got one late. Cam Riley got okay, one. And Lawrence go. Johnson got one, according to Auburn stats. So that's that's better to have two. But throughout the course of, of the game, right? The yes, the throughout the course of the game, like the core until it got late. I, but a lot of that was scheme. I mean, Sanford was throwing those really quick hitches, and their quarterback was getting rid of the ball really quick. Good Auburn point. didn't have a chance to to get to the pass rush. Good point. Good point. As far as injuries, and you've already kind of hinted at a few of them. The offensive line. Boy, we need those guys back by Saturday. Cam Stutz, as soon as he left the game, you could tell like there wasn't that same 
level of push, especially in the interior after he left. And props to Gunnar Britton being able to play like every position on the offensive line, but um, it's just not the same. It's not the same when Cam Stutz is not on the field. Yeah, and that's that's the part that is you know is the unknown, and I get it why coaches are that way as far as you know injuries close to the vest. I I don't know if a Cam yeah. Stutz situation was he could have come back in the game, but it was you know precautionary leave him out. We need him against AM. This game's in control. I don't know that. Yeah. You freeze really didn't specify that in the press conference, but 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 you need him. I mean, he's a guy that you absolutely need. At guard and has merged emerged as an offensive line leader. And then is Avion Miller to Tom Miller. When he went down and grabbed his leg, I think every Auburn person was like, oh no. Like <laughs> this yeah. is not good. Cause the way he's just come on as of late has been incredible, right? And he was able to walk off just fine. When he was on the ground, though, it looked so much worse than I think it was. And they showed the replay, and it's like, okay, maybe it's just Maybe it's just an ankle sprain, right? Like maybe it's just a week or two, you know, uh, maybe that's the best case scenario, but you take that versus what it initially looked like. Cause it initially looked pretty bad. It really did. And again, you know, we, we didn't have him in the starting lineup at the beginning of the year for Auburn. So what he's done has been amazing. It's been yeah. much needed. And so he's a he's, he's worked his way and played his way into the starting lineup, which tells you how far he's come since spring camp, since spring ball. So, yeah, you want to have him in the lineup or you want to have him available, and we just don't know. But losing Stutz and him would be costly when you're trying to establish the run game and protect Thorne against a team like AM. Yep, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. And not just that, but, I mean, the rest of the SEC. Like, you need your tackles. Right. And you need your team captain, which is Cam Stutz. You need that interior push. So, I just think when you look at what Auburn has done, and there's still some Auburn folks that are very skeptical about the success of this team so far, which is fine. Cal was bad. I mean, it was a, it was a rough win, but you won. And you just if you look throughout the SEC right now, there's five teams that are three and zero. In the West, you have Auburn and Ole Miss. Those are the only teams that three and zero in the in the SEC West. In the SEC East, you have Georgia, Missouri, and Kentucky. And it's just when you look throughout this conference, a lot of folks, their version of Cal, like Arkansas playing BYU last night, that was their version of Cal. That is a game they should have won. Yep. BYU is better than Cal, but Arkansas should have won that game. And they didn't. They didn't do it. And I just think the fact that Auburn has had some really, some really valuable in-game reps and experience early in this season and they've been able to start three and zero, I think is a bigger blessing than people realize. Well, at this point of the season, all you want to do when you look at the schedule before the season starts is say, okay, you got to win your first three games yeah. and then try to try to develop an identity and find out some things, get some, get some questions answered in those first three games. And I think Auburn's done that. I think they've figured out some passing game, uh, things that they needed to work on. We we know Auburn can run the game or can run the ball. They've got some offensive line combinations. So there's some things they were trying to figure out. You want to figure those things out while going three and zero. So Auburn's been fortunate that they've been able to do that. Have they looked, you know, crisp and sterling all the time? No. But right. I think some of the things that you want to look at and say get corrected, they're working towards getting corrected. And mm -hmm. so that's the most important thing. And again. 
you just you wanted to be three and zero going into this absolutely brutal stretch that's coming up, and that's what you have. When we did our final final edition of Locked On Auburn during the off season, we did our projections of the season, and I had Auburn losing the next four games. Mm-hmm. I no longer think that happens. Well, One, because, because you of make, what Auburn's done, and right. two because I don't think A and M is as good as I thought they would be. I don't think LSU is as good as I thought they would be. And Ole Miss, I just don't know. I have no clue. But you know, the first half of the two-lane game makes you think, mm-hmm. okay, surely Auburn can hang with them. Well, week to week in this conference is amazing and in college football because here's the deal. LSU looked kind of bad against Florida State. So you thought, okay, Florida State's world beaters. Then Florida State goes – on the road at Boston College last night or yesterday and struggles late. Boston College had a chance to win that game. So there's so much craziness, you know, as far as week to week when you start to try to compare scores or look at things like you said, Ole Miss looked horrible against Tulane, and now they've emerged and have played a really good half and game back-to-back that they've put together. Did it look – I mean, it looked kind of weird – Right for Texas to be down against Wyoming early, a team that beat Alabama, and then for for Idaho to be up on Cal seventeen nothing. You're going, oh my goodness! I mean, Idaho's yeah. beaten Cal, and Auburn struggled with Cal, and then it just kind of flipped. Both teams came out in the second half, so Correct. that's the weirdness of college football. It's hard to kind of compare week to week. It is, it is, but the fact that Auburn's been able to stay three and zero is is huge, right? And we don't even have to talk mm-hmm. about. What Alabama went through yesterday. I mean, right. They, yeah. They, they never really felt comfortable against USF, which is still weird that they went to USF, but whatever. That's fine. That's fine. I don't fully get it, but that's cool. So, I mean, I, I just think Auburn's in a good spot. And so, sure, if you want to nitpick Peyton Thorne's decision making on the deep pass, or if you want to nitpick the play calling on the one yard line, or if you want to nitpick, you know, the whole cow game, whatever, that's fine. Auburn's 3-0 with a chance to go into College Station and make a huge, a huge statement on Saturday, Daryl, that I think would put Auburn in the top 20 and that I think would really create an interesting, an interesting atmosphere for when Georgia comes into town the following week. Yeah, you make a good point on the nitpicking thing because there's so many positives to glean from this game and so far the the first three games of the year. And you know, when we do these shows and we break these things down, we people don't want us to be sunshine pumpers and completely just disregard like the concerns to get cleaned up because that's part of analysis. I mean, I think in the first half, Auburn, I was a little concerned the way they ran the game and some of the, you know, ran the ball and some of the yeah. blocking schemes. Like when they needed a yard or two, they struggled to get it. And then the second half, they completely changed that with some different schemes and stuff. So, at the end of the day, let's look and see what it is they felt like they needed to correct. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Texas A&M. Now, looking at what A&M does really, really well, I think Auburn, if they've got their defensive backfield healthy, A&M likes to put it in the air a lot, and I love the matchups with Auburn's defensive backs against A&M's receivers. Yeah, yeah, and, and we'll talk about that more, of course, mm-hmm. when you join us on Friday, Daryl. In the meantime, how can people check out everything that you've got going on? You can follow me on Twitter, DAP6410. Had a lot of fun uh, yesterday interacting. Uh, And then Mondays and Tuesdays on various shows on the Auburn Network. You can find all my written work at auburndaily.com. And we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. 
NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.